This audio is brought to you by Muslim Central. Please consider donating to help cover our running costs and future projects by visiting www.muslimcentral.com forward slash donate. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim, alhamdulillahi wahdahu wa salatu wa salamu ala malla nabiya ba'dahu wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. We praise Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we thank him upon all conditions, we send complete blessings and salutations upon Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, his entire household, all his companions. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to bless every single one of them, to bless every single one of us who are seated here, to bless the ummah at large, our offspring, those who are coming, those who will be coming up to the end of time. May Allah keep them steadfast upon the deen and may He keep us all steadfast as well upon the deen. Ameen. My brothers and sisters, when Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam came into Medina Munawwara, one of the first things he did was to build a masjid. He came into Quba and he was still in transit going to Medina Munawwara. Quba, as you know, is in the outskirts of Medina Munawwara. The outskirts meaning just outside Medina. Today it's considered as a suburb of Medina. At that time, it was actually the outskirts of Medina Munawwara. One of the first things he did was he gathered his companions and they decided to build a masjid. This beautiful masjid was built facing Baytul Maqdis. It was facing Jerusalem. This was in the first year, not even in the first year, but in the first moments of the Hijrah. The Hijrah was not yet completed in the sense that they had not yet arrived in Medina Munawwara. Brothers and sisters, this goes to show the importance of the house of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It is a sunnah and the way and the path of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa to gather the Muslimin. If you take a look at the word jama'ah, it means a group. If you take a look at the word jumu'ah, it also has in it the term jama'ah, which would mean to gather. Gathering people, bringing them together, what is the purpose? The purpose is each one of us should know each other. We should know the other, we should know your name, who you are. We should know, for example, perhaps some of the difficulties you may be going through, not so that we can put it on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook and WhatsApp, but in order for us to be able to help one another. In order for us to be able to reach out to the other, the brother doesn't have food, my brother, come to my home today. Or, I will provide for you some food. Someone doesn't have medication, for example, they are sick and ill, minimum we make a dua for them because we know the brother is missing, he's normally here for salah. Two salahs have gone by, he's not here, what, is, what has gone wrong? Today, it's one little message, one little phone call. We have been blessed with technology, but the sad reality is we use it in the wrong direction. Technology is such that I can contact my parents, my family members, members of the community, my ummah. But what do I do? I waste time on it with people I'm not supposed to be talking to. And those whom I'm supposed to be talking to and earning a reward through, I have no relation, no contact with them. If they want to ring my phone, perhaps I won't answer it. I will say, oh, that's my dad. Oh, no ways. Please can you take the call? Or you press ignore or you silence the phone. Why? Your father, your mother. We are taught that together is extremely important. It becomes compulsory on some occasions. Take a look at the Jumu'ah. Are you allowed to just miss Jumu'ah without any reason? No. If you, are, if you do not have a valid reason, you have to be there as a male for Salatul Jumu'ah. You must be there. 
And when we get there, the difficulty we have today, my brothers and sisters, the attitude that has become the norm, you arrive last minute and you leave last minute. So much so, or should I say you leave in the first moments. You arrive last minute and as soon as salamu alaykum wa rahmatullah, one salam is done, the second one is by the shoes. May Allah forgive us. <laughs> the truth is, we have become people who are not plugged in to each other. And if we are, it's for the wrong reasons. Sometimes it's for something material. How many of us know each other solely for the pleasure of Allah? We look at each other, we greet each other, my brother, I love you. I don't intend from you to receive or achieve anything material, nothing from this world. I just care for you because you are my brother or sister in Islam. Where is that gone? The house of Allah is supposed to bring that to us. When we have business deals outside, they turn so sour that we stop attending the masjid because the uncle who stole our wealth is perhaps in the same masjid. We see a person reading salah in the saf and we want to go to the saf behind because... We don't get along with him. He stole 50 rands of mine. He hasn't yet given it back. And sometimes it gets to 50,000. And to some of those who drive perhaps extremely ex expensive vehicles, it might get to 50 million. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forgive us. Point of the matter is, let that not happen. The reason why we need to stand in the saf together, shoulder to shoulder, is because we are not different from one another. If you notice carefully, before I started the salah today, I made a very important statement that you might not have heard so often. What did I say? Straighten your rows, ensure that the heels are all in a straight line. That we've heard a lot, mashallah. Shoulder to shoulder, that's how you should be standing. At the same time, I said, take a moment to cleanse the heart. Because... It is only with a heart that is cleansed that you will be able to benefit from the prayer, from the salah. Your heart is dirty, full of jealousy, hatred, malice. You are saying, Allahu Akbar, your mind is somewhere else. It's not with Allah. You hate the brother next to you. You hate the other one who's a few safs back. You're already planning how you're going to hit a quick move to leave without seeing that brother because you owe him some money or he owes you something or you've usurped or he's usurped or something has happened. Why should that be with the ummah? Really, we need to check the sunnah of Muhammad sallallahu Learn to love one another. Once there was a companion of Muhammad sallallahu walking by, and the Prophet sallallahu passed a remark. He made a comment. He said, whoever would like to see a person from Jannah, have a look at that companion. So the Sahaba radiallahu anhum were definitely interested. They wanted to know, what's the bother? What is it? How come he's got that virtue? What about us? We want the virtue. They were not jealous of him in a bad way. But they wanted virtue as well. So for that reason, they decided, or one of them at least decided, that let's try and go and see what's going on. Perhaps he engages in ibadah. We want to do the same. They found after they followed him, there was nothing major. He also went to sleep after Salatul Isha. He got up for Salatul Fajr, which means Tahajjud was missing. If we say this person is from paradise, we'd expect them to get up for Tahajjud early. They would probably, you know, read long, long Salah, engage in Ibadah and Quran whole night. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us an understanding that Allah requires from us that which is compulsory and obligatory to begin with. Thereafter, you increase with your own love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in a way that you become extremely close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So later on they asked this companion, what is it? You, we heard about you X, Y and Z. What is it with you that you have such a virtue, the virtue of paradise? He says, there's nothing extra that I do. I can't think of anything. Subhanallah. Imagine what an honor it must have been to hear that. May Allah grant us all Jannah. Amen. There's nothing much that I do extra. Then he says, hang on. 
Every night before I recline, I check my heart and I ensure that I remove from it malice against any of my brothers or sisters. Malice removed, hatred removed, jealousy, envy removed, no bad feeling, clean heart. And this is why the heart is clean. Not only do you have a healthy body when it is physically clean, but you have healthy, you are healthy in terms of your spirituality and link with Allah when it is spiritually clean, religiously clean, when it has when it is free of defect and malady, even spiritually. May Allah grant us an understanding. This is why the hadith says, أَلَا وَإِنَّ فِي الْجَسَدِ لَمُضْغَةِ إِذَا صَلَحَتْ صَلَحَ الْجَسَدُ كُلُّهُ وَإِذَا فَسَدَتْ فَسَدَ الْجَسَدُ كُلُّهُ أَلَا وَهِيَ الْقَلْبُ Indeed, behold, in the, in the body there is an organ, there is a piece of flesh. Mudgah is referring to a piece of flesh. It's boneless. Behold, in the body there is a piece of flesh. If it is good and pure, the whole body is good and pure. If it is sick, rotten or evil, the whole body will be sick or evil. Fasad. Fasad means corrupt. It is corrupt, the body is corrupted. May Allah protect us. Then he says, behold, it is the heart. That piece of flesh is the heart. Cleanse your heart. Ensure that from that heart you remove dirt. You remove all forms of hatred, ill feeling for one another as the Muslim ummah. Today, we are struggling as an ummah because beyond la ilaha illallah Muhammadur Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa we have started hating one another for little differences that we, we may have. I'm not saying don't discuss the differences on an educational, intellectual level in order to learn. It's important to know. It's important to learn. It's important to expand our knowledge at all times. We might be doing something wrong. But that should not mean we develop a hatred for individuals just because perhaps they don't know, they haven't yet seen the light. Maybe we don't like the wrong that is being done by the people, but we always have hope and we have love for the people themselves. Remember the difference between the sin and the sinner. Very big difference between the two. The sin we hate, we dislike, we will disassociate from. But the sinner, we have hope in. We know, we love for the sake of Allah, the good in that person. They all have good. We too have good and bad. Nobody seated here, nobody who will listen to this later on, can say that I don't have any sin, not at all, nothing. We all have room for improvement, no matter how well improved we may already be. So when we come to the house of Allah, a winner is the one who can look and who can greet. Imagine if greeting is an act of charity when we are outside. What about when we come into the house of Allah? These are the guests, not of myself or yourself, not of the one who might have built this place. They are the guests of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Do you greet them? It should be an honor to be able to greet another who has entered the house of Allah as a guest of Allah. When someone enters your house and people who are there welcome them, they greet them, they make them feel at home and you greet them and so on. It would be an honor. It would be good. They feel comfortable in your home. They will return the next time. Subhanallah. So what about if we were to honor the people who are coming to the house of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as guests of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Honor them in that way. Greet them, make them feel comfortable, sort your matters out, resolve your disputes, solve your problem. The hadith speaks about how bad it is to leave an unresolved matter between Muslims for more than three days. You're not speaking to each other. For what? The hadith says a true Muslim 
will not disassociate or distance or stop speaking to their fellow brother who's a Muslim for more than three days. You need to solve the matter. That hadith is showing us the importance of resolving the dispute. The longer you leave it, the more it grows. You have a problem in the house even between husband and wife. If you leave it for tomorrow morning, it will be a bigger problem at night. It grows, subhanallah. As you snore, she gets more irritated. <laughs> Allah forgive us. <laughs> the problem grows. And it grows and continues to grow. So resolve your matters, husband and wife, tonight before tomorrow morning. You share the bed. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala help us resolve our disputes. You leave it for tomorrow, it's a bigger issue. You wait for a week, trust me, it's become like wild grass. Now you need a loan more. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forgive us. The same applies among the ummah. You have a dispute with your brother, sort it out now, soften your heart, ask for forgiveness. My brother, I'm sorry, you know, we are Muslimin, we are human beings, we err, we falter. I've erred, I'm very, very sorry. And so, you know what, forgive me, let's start a new leaf from today on, inshallah. We speak good about one another, mashallah, and at the same time, we no longer have this problem and dispute. And the brother says the same. Now some of you might be thinking, well, I owe him 50,000, I hope he can say that. <laughs> Subhanallah, you owe him something, make amends, go and strike a deal, make a plan, tell him, look, I give you so much every month, inshallah, by the will of Allah, and work towards it. Make, say something good, don't just run away. A lot of us, Allah has bestowed upon us so much in terms of sustenance. You know what the problem is? We don't know how to budget, that's the thing. We want to live a life, Higher than the Joneses. It's a reality. We want to live a life higher than we can earn because we see everyone with the latest, we want the latest. But brother, Allah has kept you such that you cannot afford it. Be happy with the older phones, with the older technology, with an older motor vehicle. Be happy with it, don't worry. Be happy with the fact that perhaps you might not be able to have a meat dish every single day. Maybe it's healthier for you. That's why Allah gave it. Perhaps if Allah gave you wealth, you might have lost your family. Some people, the richer they become, the less happiness they have in their home. Others, the richer they become, the more they earn the pleasure of Allah through donation. How many of us learn this lesson from getting to the masjid, the house of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Brothers and sisters, if I am meant to be treating the guests of Allah in such an important and such a brilliant way, with so much of importance and goodness, and I'm supposed to be giving to them in terms of good character and conduct, what about my own brothers and sisters from one mother, one father? How many of us seated here or listening, we don't speak to our brothers, our sisters, because someone somehow, somewhere blamed one or the wife or husband of another, that they have done black magic on us. Haven't we heard that? Isn't it all too common? That is shaitan. They did nothing. Shaitan did something on you, my brother, my sister. Shaitan has convinced you that your blood is against you. And that's absolutely a lie. May Allah forgive us. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala unite this ummah. Really. We need unity. And the way we will achieve it is by adopting what Allah has instructed us to. And by softening our hearts. The Quran speaks about Muhammad sallallahu 
they would have dispersed from around you. Nobody would have come to you. But because of the mercy of Allah, Allah made you lenient towards them. Leniency is a sign of the mercy of Allah. When you are lenient, we are not saying be lenient on criminals so that they can commit more crime. No, but we are saying in your homes, in the ummah at large, members of the community, we need to learn to start greeting one another. Assalamu alaikum. Not because I want your money. Not because I saw you're the owner of the shop that I need to buy bathroom tiles from. No. Not because you're a man whom I want something from or a woman who is very good looking. Therefore, assalamu alaikum. Sorry, my sister, it's a sunnah. And so I'm greeting you. Sister, I didn't hear you say wa alaikum assalam. You know, the Quran says you must respond in a better way, you know. That is a disaster. You want something behind the greeting. The niyyah changes. The hadith says, Your intention is definitely playing the biggest role in determining your action. So if you were to say that with a good intention, I don't want anything in return. I merely want to acknowledge that you and I have a link, that link of iman, the bond of Islam, and if not, then the bond of humanity. Subhanallah. When it comes to a Muslim, the hadith says, Al-Muslimu man salim al-Muslimuna min lisanihi wa yadihi. A true Muslim is the one whom all the other Muslimin are safeguarded from the harm of his tongue or his hand. You never talk bad about the other. What problem would you have? You went through a disastrous divorce. People ask you what went wrong. My bro, come home. I'll tell you the whole story. For what? They'll tell you, listen, you're too slow. Your wife's put it on Instagram already. <laughs> but that's not a Muslim. A Muslim would say, listen, you know what? She was a lovely person, mashallah, worshiper of Allah. I hope I'm a lovely person as well, inshallah. You know what? We didn't get along. Incompatibility, whatever happened, happened. Allah forgive her, forgive me. And I wish her the best. And I hope that she wishes me the best. And I want you to wish both of us the best. People will look at you and say, but so then why did you separate? <laughs> May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us ease. We have in our hearts such hatred that those whom we've had children with, at a time when the marriage breaks down beyond repair, we tend to start speaking evil about them. May Allah forgive us all. May Allah forgive us all. We are human. By nature we may falter. The, the sooner you realize, the better it is for your heart. The more your salah will help you when you fulfill it. Imagine when I'm reading salah with a clean heart. What is, what is, where are my thoughts going? They are going towards Allah. I, I arrive at a level known as Ihsan. Ihsan is to worship Allah as though you are watching Him. And if you can't do that, the next level of Ihsan is to worship Allah knowing that at least He is watching over you. Subhanallah. That is Ihsan. But with us, the Iqama is going on and we're saying, you know, the guy who's reading the Iqama, I got a problem with him. So now already you're starting to think, hey, and about, and the Imam says, Allahu Akbar. Next thing when he says, Walad Dalin, instead of starting, Inna kal he starts from the center of the Quran and you're saying, no ways. I, I, I had to go to spur for a meal. Allahu Akbar. May Allah forgive us. We're thinking about so many other things. Yet we are supposed to be plugged in with Allah. Forget about that. When the, when the imam continues a little bit more, you know what happens? We get upset and angry. The man didn't go down in ruku'ah. And then we start saying, when is he going down? When is he going down? And so where is your mind? Your mind is somewhere else. Take it easy. Relax. Do you know that a lot of the young people, and this I've been told about. It may not be true in Cape Town. They know which masjid reads quicker than the other. Do you know that? <laughs> they will drive for half an hour to finish a taraweeh. 
which takes 20 minutes less than another one, not realizing that it took you an hour to go and come back. But they won't mind that. This is from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. In fact, it is something that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has asked us to do, and that is to ensure that recitation is correct in salah. This is why I tell the Huffad and those who read the Quran, do you know there is a hadith, and I'm sure a lot of us would have heard it off by heart. Here in Cape Town, there are so many Huffad, mashallah, beautiful recitation. Do you know there is a hadith that says, a person who has the Quran in their heart, Allah will tell them on the day of judgment. The hadith says, يُقَالُوا لِصَاحِبِ الْقُرْآنِ اِقْرَأْ وَارْتَقِي وَرَتِّلْ كَمَا كُنْتَ تُرَتِّلُوا فِي الدُّنْيَا فَإِنَّ مَنْزِلَكَ عِنْدَ آخِرِ آيَةٍ تَقْرَأُهَا I'm sure you may have heard the hadith. Do you know what it means? It means a person who has the Quran will be told on the day of judgment, read. And keep on going up as you're reading. So when you read one verse, you'll be one level higher. You read another one, you'll something like that. You keep on going higher as you read. And continue going up. Read in the same way you used to read in the world. Read what? For me, the highlight of that whole hadith is connected to the wording, Kama kunta turattilu fid dunya. As you used to read in the dunya, in the world. You will not be able to read in another way. The only way you will be able to read on that day is as you used to read in this world. And the hadith says, read in that way, keep on going up. Your rank will keep on increasing until you get stuck. The last verse you read is where you will stop. So imagine with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala listening to what you have to say. And the next best thing you can't read because you used to shoot in salah. Astaghfirullah. Never mind Surah Al-Fatiha in one breath, but part of the rest of the salah also in the same breath. Astaghfirullah. The Ameen and the Bismillah and everything else of the next surah is already in the same breath. And before, and then you huff and puff. Allahu Akbar. As though we were playing some game. Astaghfirullah. I just thought of something. You know the Olympics, they've got javelin, they've got discus, they've got shot put. They don't have salah. Remember that. There's no competition when it comes to salah. Astaghfirullah. Going up and down. People were proud of a little video clip that was doing its rounds across the world. Saying, this 20 rakaat finish in 7 minutes. I don't know how that happened. Wallahi, I don't understand. If that is not an insult, even the devil shies away from those activities. Shaitan can't keep up with that. I don't think so. Astaghfirullah. May Allah forgive us. So it's got to do with the link that you have with one another. If you are at ease, you will concentrate in salah. Allahu Akbar. I've got nothing evil to think about. I'm just thinking about my maker. The words that are being uttered. Wow, what a beautiful plug-in with your maker. And you have your brothers and sisters. And subhanallah, you leave the masjid. And your heart is pure and clean. You look at people, you smile. Not because they don't have teeth or they have teeth. But it's connected really. It's connected to the fact that they have a heart. And so do you. When the hearts meet, you feel like living a life. Really. When the hearts are detached, you don't feel like living in your own house. It's a reality. And that heart will only be cleansed by the remembrance of Allah. And the remembrance of Allah will only affect you when you clean the heart of other things because the dirt and the remembrance of Allah do not gather in the same heart. You cannot say I'm engaging in the remembrance of Allah, but your heart is filled already. The heart has a capacity. It's already filled with dirt. 
Now you want to remember Allah in what way? It's like a computer. You have put from the 100 gigabyte space that you have, 99 gigabytes full of pornography. Then when you start off the computer and it's sluggish, you say, I don't know why this computer is slow. Well, it's filled with all sorts of dirt. And then you want to say, I can't download that Quran you were talking about. How can it download in there? Go and delete all the dirt. And then the Quran will download completely, not only in that computer, but even in your heart. We are living in an age of pornography. If you have messed your eyes by viewing pornographic material, you have wasted your salah for a long period of time. The images that keep coming, that which affects your brain, your mind, your heart, the dirty images. May Allah forgive us. It requires tawbah and a promise that we're never going to go back to those bad habits, no matter how tempting it is. Today you open your email, what do you see? A, B, C, D, E, and after E, email and then female. <laughs> you open your email, they show you a pop-up of a naked female. Astaghfirullah. A naked female. What, what do they want? They want you to press. They want you to touch. Touch what? The screen. And when you touch it, another one opens up. Astaghfirullah. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forgive us. Remember, you need to close those windows that are the windows of hell. Wallahi, it reminds me of the words used by Rasulullah Sallallahu regarding the graves. Al-Qabru imma rawdatum min riyad al-jannah aw hufratum min hufar al-nar. The Prophet Sallallahu says the grave is either a garden from the gardens of paradise or it is a pit from the pits of hellfire. Have you heard that? A window is opened for the person cool breeze coming in, this person is heavenly. Or a window is open for the person, hot air coming through, with punishment coming through, within the grave, that person is supposed to be doomed to hellfire. Do you want to open those windows on your screen? You might just be opening a window in your grave. May Allah protect us. Learn to cleanse the mind, the heart. That is when you will be able to benefit from your salah. When we say that, it's easy to come for Salatul Jumu'ah. It's not difficult. But what is difficult is to concentrate there, to have achieved the benefit. Do you think that Jumu'ah would have been given so much relevance and importance in Islam if it was not really so important? If you've achieved nothing from it? There has to be some huge gem that you have to have been achieving from Jumu'ah, looking forward to it. And I tell you what I have done. Go early to the masjid sometimes you'll notice some of the older generation and sometimes a few of the young as well. They come very early, 9, 10 o'clock, they've already washed up, brushed up, they've got their itr on and they know it's a Jum'ah, wearing the best of their clothing, they're excited, they come in and they sit quietly in one corner with the Qur'an, with some other book in the dhikr of Allah, whatever it is, those are the ones you need to learn from. That is Jum'ah. For them it's a day of Eid. Wallahi, it's the most blessed day of the week. It is the day, Fihi khuliqa Adam. It is the day that Adam alayhi salam was created. And it has so much virtue, it's not our topic. But it's amazing how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has kept so much of goodness on a Friday. But with us, we are the last ones in, the first ones out. We've gained absolutely nothing. Straight after Jum'ah, we go home, we're shouting, where's the food? Where's the food? Astaghfirullah. What did you learn from the Jum'ah? We didn't listen to what the Imam had to say. And I recall one day, I went to one masjid some time back and there was an imam speaking and I was sitting with the youth. So they looked at me, they said, hey, 
How come you're not talking? I said, hey, relax, what do you mean? I don't need to talk all the time. I'm here for Salatul Jumu'ah. We are busy listening to the Imam. You know what the young man said? Listen to the words. This Imam is playing the same CD for the last 10 years. <laughs> what do you want me to say? I looked at him and I said, my brother, repetition is healthy. He will stop playing the CD when you adopt what he said. Then he'll know I can now move on. And I gave him an example. When you're playing a game and you don't move to the next stage, how can you go to that next stage? You haven't even got to it. You haven't qualified to it. The imam is keeping on telling you, read your salah, do this, do that. Because he knows you guys haven't done it yet. He says, hey, you've got an answer for everything. <laughs> May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forgive us. But it's a reality. There is no harm in listening to the same thing every week. Ask yourself, Allah is going to ask you, I sent an imam to you who told you this 1,000 times. But you still didn't change. In fact, it's worse. Subhanallah. You know, it would be easier if you said, Ya Allah, we were only told once and you know, I forgot about it. Man, that might be an easier answer when you go and you're stuck. Yes, yes. I actually told a sheikh one day, hey, you know what? You're playing the same CD for the last so many years. Astaghfirullah. And now you didn't even adopt what he said. You didn't even think about it. Subhanallah. If you take a look at the Jumu'ah Khutbah, there are verses that are repeated every single week. Do you know that? Almost every week. Have you people ever heard this? Not your head if you had. MashaAllah, the whole masjid is nodding. Alhamdulillah. It shows you. Do you know what it means? Put your hand up if you know the, the meaning of that verse. La ilaha illallah. I haven't seen any hand here. Which means you're listening to it. How can the imam go to another verse when you don't even know what that verse means? Subhanallah. Allah instructs you. Allah instructs you. He has definitely made incumbent upon you. He has dished out an instruction to you to be just. Al-Adl. Al-Ihsan. To be kind. Allah wants you to be just. Every week you hear this. Allah wants you to be kind. And Allah wants you to reach out to people known as Dawil Qurba. Your relatives. Your family. Every week the Imam is telling you reach out to your family. Give them. Not only wealth, yes, it may be speaking about charities, but charities, the, the topic is broad. Charities, last night we spoke about how being intimate with your spouse is an act of charity. Resolving your dispute with your brother, your sister, your mother, go out and speak to her, say good words, earn her dua by being kind. And it's not going to be easy. I tell you, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has said that if you do this, you get jannah. You must know that that's very difficult to be done. You must know that. It cannot come easily. Because one narration says, Allah inna sil'atallahi ghaliyah. Behold, the commodity of Allah, which is Jannah. That's the commodity that we are purchasing throughout our lives. We're making payments every time we're paying for something. What are you paying for? You came for salah, it's a payment. You, another salah, payment. You missed one salah, ooh, default, watch out. You missed another one, your house might go. Sorry, it's not a bank. But rather, this is Jannah. Jannah. Don't miss the payment. These are the payments. Allah says, the commodity of Allah is extremely dear. Very expensive. It's very valuable. You will give. What will you give? It's going to be difficult to earn paradise. In the sense that you need dedication. Yes, sometimes there's a deed of yours. Allah has watched it and He will give you paradise as a result. What guarantee do you have that you're going to get? I recall one young man, and this is a fact. He tells me, I'm going to Jannah. 
I said, hey, mashallah, when you get there, you better think of us too, man. I said, with us, we don't know whether we're going there or not. He says, no. You know, there's a hadith of the dog, which you always talk about. I said, yes, I know about it. He says, well, I've quenched the thirst of about a hundred dogs. <laughs> he says, look at that. Sharp, intelligent people, subhanallah. Didn't you say that one dog and the woman who was a prostitute got paradise? I said, yeah, I did say that. hundred dogs. <laughs> Allahu Akbar. May Allah forgive us. No salah, no nothing, zero. I just quenched the thirst of dogs. That's not it. That's a total misinterpretation of the narration. You cannot do that. Astaghfirullah. <laughs> look at how the thinking is. But if you take a look at reality, the young man was sharp, but his intelligence led him astray. Allah says you fulfill the obligations. You don't know what deed Allah will look at. Everyone is different. If that was really the case, people would say, I'm a Muslim. <laughs> there would be all dogs outside the houses. <laughs> May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forgive us, really. My brothers and sisters, reach out to fellow human beings. Fellow human beings. Wallahi, we come to the house of Allah for love. Because we love Allah. We love those who are trying to please Allah. Anyone else who comes to the house of Allah, who knows, they might be a saint in hiding. In hiding meaning no one knows. They could be. Very pious person and you don't even know. You come in. This is why they say, put your shoes in order. I remember one day, one of our mashayikh, one of my own teachers in Medina Munawwara, he told us something. He says, I found something very interesting. I said, what is it? We were learning, a group of people. And he said, when you go to the masjid, if you notice the shoes are all put neatly in a line, you must know that the hearts of these people, they have in them what is known as selflessness. They have a quality in them of what is known as khidmah, service. They like to serve people. They are a serving people. But when you have people whose shoes are strewn all over the show, maybe they are selfish. I can't guarantee that that is the case, but I do know that certain places I've been to, certain cities and certain towns I've been to, where I notice the shoes are all in order in a line as though someone has been putting them there properly. Trust me, I've noticed the people are so relaxed. They greet, they smile. You notice a few qualities. With us, it's all about huffing, puffing, getting in, put my shoes here, my shoes there. Parking is the biggest issue. You're going to please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you steal the parking of the imam? Subhanallah. Allah forgive us. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forgive us. How can we do that? We go to please Allah, we want to read salah, and here we are. We park in front of someone's yard. They have an emergency, they don't have an emergency, whatever it is. The non-Muslims are looking at us. Sometimes they complain when we want to build a masjid in an area because for them, nay, nay, nay. You don't know what's going to happen, they're going to block all the driveways here. Say no. Then we complain, these people are blocking. They're not. Sometimes, wallahi, if we brought about goodness, if we reached out in a beautiful way to those around us, people would say, let as many masajid come up as possible. These people will look after the territory. These people will serve. These people will be considerate. These people will come through. They will, they will give you food and drink and clothing and whatever else the days that they have. And they will not make a noise. This is the quality of a Muslim. The, the, do you know that when you have shaken the hands of a person who uses a lot of perfume, sometimes you go away with perfume, Right? What did you do? You didn't apply perfume. You only shook their hand. Similarly, you have 
in Johannesburg. There is an example I want to give you. They say the city of gold. Have you heard that? What do you see? You see mountains. What color? Yellowish and goldish. That's not a mountain of gold. That is sand. But because there was gold nearby, look at the color. What does that mean? The point I'm raising is when there is good company, companionship, even those around benefit from it. They may not be the person, but they are people who are associated, they've benefited, the color changed. Subhanallah. When there are houses around the masajid, they should feel the spirituality. After some time, they should enter the fold of Islam if we lived as true Muslimin. Sometimes around the masajid, they go further away from Islam because we misbehave. We must behave. We're intolerant. We park in their yard every time. Every single time. And the number plates are red. You know, I noticed one thing. I spent Ramadan here and I spent Ramadan in a few other cities. And I tried to memorize some number plates. <laughs> you won't believe what I'm about to tell you. Repetition of number plates happens more often than not. Did you ever know that? Which means you'll hear, for example, CA 225563, please move your car. I promise you a few months down the line, you'll hear the same plate. Because it's just an attitude that we've developed. I've noticed this. And I, it's not all the time, you know, that this would happen. But sometimes you say, but didn't I hear this before? If your memory is strong, you'll be able to say, yes, I've heard this number plate before. Subhanallah. Allah forgive us. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless us. One day I had to bribe the person to get up and go out. We were sitting like this and someone rushed in and gave us a note. You know how irritating that is when you're speaking. It's so inconsiderate. But they had to do it. You know what? Emergency. Note. So I stopped my talk and I said, listen brothers, we have a problem. This vehicle is blocking someone there. They have an emergency. They need to leave. And this is the, and no one got up. But I knew there was someone in here that had to go. I said, brother, whoever this is, may Allah grant you Jannah, may Allah open your doors. If you get up and you walk out, may Allah bless you with a beautiful vehicle, give you sustenance. And as I kept on increasing dua after dua, I saw one man slowly getting up. <laughs> but then we had a big problem because he walked out. Yes, he felt quite happy that his car, because he earned the dua. Someone came to me after the talk and said, Sheikh, if I block somebody's driver, will you give me the same dua? <laughs> That's the attitude we have. My brothers and sisters, this is where we've reached. Wallahi. This is the condition of our heart. That we want to take dua through the wrong thing. Subhanallah. And I told him, my brother, Allah will bestow you with even more than that before anyone makes dua for you if you haven't blocked people's driveway. Because the hadith says, whoever creates ease for someone, Allah will create ease for them in this world and the next. And whoever makes life difficult for anyone, Allah creates difficulty for them here and the next. So take a moment, park your vehicle one kilometer away from the masjid, but don't block anyone. Don't block anyone, please. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala help us. May He bless us. Brothers and sisters, we come together. We are men together. This is the house of Allah. I want to draw your attention to something that the people of other faiths are doing. They are giving a percentage of their salaries away to the church. They are giving a large amount of money as donation. With us, I want to ask you one question. How many of us have donated? 
voluntarily. I'm not talking of zakah. Zakah belongs to Allah. If you fulfill it, alhamdulillah, you fulfilled it. The big deal is when you give over and above zakah. That is the big deal. Because that is now testing you and your heart. How many of us have donated towards the masjid that we fulfill our salah in? How many of us? Whether it's 10 rands, 50 rands, 100 rands, whatever it is. And let's not be miserly. It's the house of Allah. Don't say, no, these committee members, you know what? I don't like them. It's Allah. And Allah doesn't need that wealth. Do you know why? Allah says, if you don't, we will replace you with someone else. The work will, correct, will continue. The sound system will come in. The carpet will be there. The air conditioning units will be there. The electricity bills will be paid. Those who work here will be paid. The teachers, everything will happen without you. It's already been happening. So when you contribute towards the house of Allah, it's Allah's love for you that made you do that. It's Allah who said, okay, this man is now good enough, pure enough. Let's put it in his heart to give. When we're not good enough, pure enough, do you think Allah wants us to give? So no, nothing goes. This is why I always say, when Allah has made you inclined towards putting a few rands every time in the box, it might just be your last salah, it might be your last visit to the masjid. Get into the habit, a rand, two rands in the box every time, whatever it is, a small amount. If Allah has put it in your heart to do something of that nature, or even if it's once a week on a Friday, sometimes they'd actually come to collect in a lot of the masajid. Because they have expenses to be paid. People say, why do you do this? Well, if someone paid all our expenses, we wouldn't need to do it. Are you ready? He says, no, 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 no. But my brother, then allow us to do this. We have to. It's for the sake of Allah. So if Allah puts it in your heart, thank Allah. Oh Allah, I thank you for accepting me to donate five rands to the masjid. Subhanallah. Thank Allah. Thank Allah. Watch your heart. And if you feel in your heart, I don't want to give... Go back and look at your character, your conduct, your heart. Perhaps you need, there is something wrong with you. Maybe your wealth is not clean enough to be used in the house of Allah. It's possible. So go back and cleanse it. Cleanse yourself. Ask Allah. When Allah has used your wealth in the right direction for a good cause, for his house, subhanallah, his own house, his guests. There are so many bills to be paid, so much to happen. The painting needs to perhaps, you know, Happen and so much needs to occur. We need to develop, we need to grow. Maybe we want to purchase the property here or there in order to develop a parking or in order to develop a madrasa or whatever else it is, or to expand the masjid. That will not happen unless we learn to give. And I drew a parallel or an example of people of other faiths I have seen with my eyes salary, not savings, salary 10% gone to who. To the priest in his hand, astaghfirullah, may Allah protect us, in his own hand. With us, the minute the imam drives a car, any speck higher than a Camry, we've got a problem. <laughs> really, we've got a major disaster. Where did this man get the money from? You see, they're stealing. You see, they. we've got bad thoughts, evil. Perhaps he's richer than you, who knows? Perhaps Allah's blessed him. Perhaps uh, some... Good Samaritan brother might have come and donated him the Rolls Royce. <laughs> my brothers and sisters, let's learn to love one another. Love the house of Allah. That's my message this evening. Love the house of Allah. Your love for the house of Allah will make you want to go there. It will make you want to donate. It will make you want to greet and love everyone who comes there because they are the guests of Allah. It will draw you closer to Allah. It will make you want to attend the lessons and the lectures in the house of Allah because that's your place. It's your home. Can I ask you a question? How many of us would love to die in the house of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? I'm sure. 
All of us. Imagine dying in the first self. Well, if you want the probability to increase, find yourself here regularly. Rain or sunshine? Come rain, come sunshine. You are in the house of Allah. Then the chances of you passing away in that house increase. You see the old uncle in Madinatul Nabawi, Madinatul Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Al-Madinatul Munawwara, in Al-Masjidul Nabawi, in the first saf, in Salatul Fajr, on a Friday, behind the Imam, he went into sujood, he didn't come back up. I recall, wallahi, when I was a student, the same uncle, Allah grant him Jannah, he was there all the time, every salah, he would find it difficult to walk, but he would walk, and he would come right behind the Imam, so much so that there was a time when they used to keep a little place for him, because they knew this man is always here. So if he goes to make wudu, there is a hadith which says, مَنْ قَامَ مِنْ مَجْلِسِهِ ثُمَّ رَجَعَ إِلَيْهِ فَهُوَ أَحَقُّ بِهِ Whoever was sitting somewhere, and goes quickly to do something, comes back, that place is for him. You cannot just take it and say, right, let's just move, oh, you lost your place. No, if he had a reason to go out valid, Someone wants to make wudu, they want, they've been sitting here for two hours, they want to go to the loo. If they go out, you can say, brother, keep my place. Nothing wrong. This man's always there. He would only go out to have a meal or to the loo or in the evening back home. But from the morning to the evening, he passed away. Look at Allah's favor upon him. Friday, Masjidun Nabawi, first saf, Salatul Fajr, in sajda, and the man didn't come back up. When I looked at that, I thought to myself, Ya Allah, grant us death in sujood just like you granted him. Amen. Then I said to myself, if I want that to happen, I need to read salah every time. I need to make sujood and I need to prolong the sujood a little bit. It's a reality. With us, we go in there, Subhana Rabbil Allah, Subhana Rabbil Allah, Subhana Rabbil Allah, Allahu Akbar. And then you tell them, but I'm supposed to say three times, isn't it? Just three. Three is okay, isn't it? You want to die in that position, then take it a little bit longer than that. Stretch it to a few more, learn a few more of the du'as, take your time in it. Perhaps Allah might take you. Wallahi, that is one of the most blessed ways of dying in sujood. So develop a link with the house of Allah. At least you, if you don't die in sujood, you die in the house of Allah. What a blessed place. Come to the masjid, make an effort. Sometimes some of us are working throughout the day. At least some of your salawat, read them in the masjid. You meet the people, you see them with a good heart. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless us all. I've spoken quite a bit. My intention was to draw all our attentions to this very important matter of loving Allah, loving the house of Allah, cleansing the hearts, coming together for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, learning to assist one another in that which is good. As Allah says, وَتَعَاوَنُوا Support one another, help one another when it comes to righteousness and piety. Good things. May Allah gather us in Jannah. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless every single one of us. Aqulu qawli hadha wa sallallahu wa sallam wa baraka ala nabina Muhammad. Wa akhiru da'wana alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen.